So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, as any had need. Day by day, they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Okay, I need you to do something for me while I'm getting myself settled up here. I want you to turn to someone next to you and tell them one wonderful thing about your weekend. On your mark, get set, go. Oh, there it is. Keep going, keep going. I'm still working. Keep going. Talk about it. There's lots to celebrate. Don't act like there's not. Go ahead. (laughs) Are you finished? Well, all right. Hey, that worked well. Uh, Hey, it's good to see all of you here this morning. I I hope you have had a good weekend. Uh, We've had a little sickness going on in our family uh, with myself and then apparently... I spread it to my poor son, so if I sound a little bit like a duck or a frog this morning, uh, it is just because of of all of that, so please forgive me, and if I have to stop and take a little sip of water, you'll understand that, why, Um, but anyway, it is good to be here this morning. It was a great weekend, beautiful weather, lots of things to celebrate, Um, but it is good to be here in the presence of friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, and I hope that you feel that way. And and I hope that if you're visiting with us this morning, that you will truly find this a a community that is full of love and hospitality. And those of you that are here all the time, you know, that's how you can make sure that people that are visiting or or new uh, feel like this is a, a family. You know, extend yourself to them. Look people in the eye and, and tell them that you're glad they're here this morning. Um, well, we began a new series last Sunday called The Chemistry of a Christian. And what we're doing during this series is taking a look at five essential elements that are vital to our personal maturity and growth in faith and that are, are vital to our life together as the church. And, and these five elements are, and they're going to be up here on the screen. I want you to say them with me. They are prayers presence, gifts, service, and witness. Now, if you're a member of Parkway Heights or if you have um, ever been a member of any United Methodist Church, these should really sound very familiar to you because when you join a local congregation in the United Methodist Church, you make a commitment to faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. And when you choose to commit to a local congregation, you're recognizing that you are, you are not your own. You are not on your own. At first, you belong to Christ. You have, you have forgiveness of your sins. You have new life in him. His life is your life. Um, but also through that relationship with Christ, you are joined into a body 
of fellow believers. And so when you commit to faithfully participate in the ministries of a local congregation through your prayers, your presence, gift service, and witness, you're recognizing not only that you're not on your own, but that your individual life matters. Your individual life matters, that you are significant to that body that you belong to. You are a significant part. You have a role to play. Your prayers matter. Your presence matters. Your gifts, your service, your witness matter. Now understand with me, of course, that being a member of a local congregation is not what makes you a part of the body of Christ. You are joined into the body of Christ when you put your faith in Christ and you trust him for the forgiveness of your sins. When you put your faith in him. Joining a church doesn't make that a reality. Putting your faith in Christ makes that a reality, right? Right. But when we take these vows, what we're saying is that we recognize we don't do our faith alone. We recognize that we're a part of something bigger than us. And in that something bigger, we have a significant role to play. And so we commit to intentionally engage in that community of a local congregation to build it up. To bring what we have to the table to build up that particular expression of the body of Christ so that God's will can be done in it and through it so that his purposes can be accomplished in the world. And so as we began our series last week, we started with that first element, prayers. And Rob reminded us about the deep need that we have for prayer to hold one another up in prayer. And that deep need that we have to be intentional about separating from the noise of the world that can just come in. It constantly comes in and floods our mind and it distracts us. And it, it is so hard to just be still. But that is exactly what we must be intentional about is, is stilling ourselves and just being with our God. Being present with him to hear from him. So we've had a noisy weekend. It hasn't all been bad noise, Right? It's been good noise, but it's, it's been noise, and it's those things, good or bad, just that can keep us busy. So we've set this time apart this morning to hear from God. So as we begin, why don't we still ourselves and quiet ourselves before him and ask his spirit to speak to us today. Let's pray together. Father, we do invite you and welcome your presence here with us this morning. Father, we thank you that you don't stay distant, that you choose to draw near and and to speak. And Lord, we know that you are always speaking. We ask that that you would help us hear you today. Father, that, that we would hear your word and understand more fully what it means to be a part of your body and how significant we are. Lord, inspire us and strengthen us to be your people today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so our focus this morning is on this statement. We will faithfully participate in the ministries of this congregation through our presence. And just in case you're hearing the wrong word, it is not presence 
NTS, um, although that would be really cool. Uh, can you imagine, like, you come to church every day and there's just a pile of presents waiting for you? I mean, we might have to open up our own little gift shop and just sell wrapping paper. We could give it to missions. I don't know. That could work. Um, and let me just, like, over and overthink this for a second. I was, I was laughing about this. Deborah, and I, Deborah started this train of thought for me. But I was thinking about this this morning, and I thought, as silly as that is, that we would come in each week with all our presents and get a bunch of presents, isn't that what God wants to do among us? I mean, I just started thinking that isn't that what he's like I've got this pile of stuff these good surprises and wonderful things for you to open up and to explore and to have if you will just come and receive them I took that a little farther than I meant to but that just hit me this morning isn't that good can we come expecting to receive some presents from our Lord but our word is presence right our coming together our life together doing life together in the body of Christ, the church. And, and maybe in some ways I'm, I'm sort of preaching to the choir this morning because each of you are present here today. But I, we know, of course, that presence is much more than attendance, right? Uh, it's, it's much more than that. And I, I think every one of us can understand the concept of being physically present somewhere, yet being very distant and disengaged from the people around us. I mean, we're encountering this more and more in our society, aren't we? Right? I mean, uh, we're more connected than ever before through technology and social media, yet we are hearing over and over again from people who, who are paying attention to the shifts in our culture as a result of this technology and as a result of social media. That while we're more connected than ever before in the history of the world, we are at the same time the most disconnected than we've ever been. And if there's anything that this social media, for instance, this social media phenomenon is revealing about our human nature, besides the fact that maybe we're all just a little more narcissistic than we want to admit, um, is that we have an innate desire to be connected with other people. We want to be heard. We want to know that someone is listening to us, that our voice, that our life matters. We want to be listened to. We want to be known. We want to belong. We have a desire for community. We need community. And so when we talk about the importance of our individual presence in church, we're talking about something much deeper than simply being in attendance. We're talking about being available to the people around you. We're talking about looking at someone so as to truly see them and notice them. To listen to someone so as to really hear them and being engaged with and attentive to the presence of God in our midst. And we're talking about stepping into and being a part of true community. Now our scripture passage this morning is nothing less than the picture of true community, of what that looks like. And it's the picture of the very first Christian community. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to go ahead or even look it up on your phone, but I want it, if you can get it right in front of you, I want it in front of you. Acts chapter 2, 41 through 47. Now I do have it up on the screen. 
But I am a big proponent of writing in your Bible, of circling things and underlining things and writing notes in the margins. So feel free to do that. Bring your Bibles with you each week if, that is, um, if, if you can remember to do that, develop that habit. But Acts chapter 2, 41 through 47, I just want it in front of you so you can look at that and you can start underlining and circling these lists of things that were going on in this community. And what we see here is that we're told that all these new believers that are coming in, they devoted themselves to to teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Um, And that was how Christ had instituted that new tradition for them, that new habit for them at the Last Supper. It's what we call Holy Communion, the breaking of bread um, and the prayers. They devoted themselves to those things. They were together and they had all things in common. They were aware of each other's need and they would make it possible for those needs to be met, even if it meant selling their possessions so that they could distribute the proceeds from those sales to people so that their needs could be met. They were aware of each other. It says that they spent much time together in the temple. They spent time together worshiping. They were together in each other's homes. They ate meals together. They had glad and generous hearts as they shared those meals together. And what we're told is that day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. In other words, God kept providing the increase. He kept creating this body right in their midst, right in front of their eyes as they did these things together. Every single bit of that true community that's going on there was a gift from God. These people were truly experiencing life together. And it was, it was a gift from God himself. And you see what initiated this coming together of community was the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I don't just mean his presence among them, but for the first time, the Holy Spirit was living and present within all those who believed in Jesus Christ as the son of God and who trusted in him for the forgiveness of their sins. Now look, wrap your brains around this. This is very different from what we see in the Old Testament when the Holy Spirit would come down and he might rest on a certain person and raise a certain person up to do his will and accomplish his purposes for a time. We saw that with Gideon. But that Holy Spirit was not within someone. This is the first time as Christ has ascended into heaven and he said, I promise you, I will send your helper. I will send the Holy Spirit. His presence came and lived within them. And that was the fuel for this community. Believe me when I say these people had never seen or experienced anything like this before. The power and the presence of the Spirit of God living within them and then flooding out of them to one another. Please go back and just read Acts chapters 1 and 2 and see what happened to bring about this coming together in community, how the Holy Spirit came in power on those first disciples and believers. About 120 of them gathered together When the Holy Spirit came, it was during the festival of Pentecost, how Peter then stood up among the crowds and preached his first sermon ever. Peter standing there with an authority and a power that he had never known before because he was filled with the Holy Spirit 
talking to people about who Jesus was and what his life and his death and his resurrection really meant for them and for the world. Read about how when Peter finished speaking, 3,000 people came to believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, as the one who had died for them. Go back and read this because that event, this coming of the Holy Spirit, is what fueled and birthed this first community of believers, the church. That's it. And listen, it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that the church is still alive, active, and bearing fruit in the world today for Christ. It is only by his power. Because if you have been in church for more than 30 days in your entire memorable life, you know that the the church is made up of broken and flawed and weak individuals who as forgiving and walking in grace as we may be, bring our brokenness and our weakness into the community with us. So it's only by the grace of God and the power of his spirit that we press on as the church. Because we would have really, really destroyed it by now if left on our own. So because of this, you know, there are, there are things about being a part of community that we need to be aware of. And the first one is this, that being a part of a community takes effort. It takes effort. You know, think about the community of those first Christians that we see in Acts 2. All of it was fueled by the Holy Spirit, yes, but it also took effort on their part. You know, no one was having people into their homes and sharing food by accident. Nobody was going to the temple to worship and pray alongside other people by accident. Nobody was selling their possessions to distribute the funds to those in need by accident. The FaceTime that they shared and the resources that they shared with others all took intentionality and effort. None of that happened by accident. It was all by their effort. Um, Christine Pohl, who I'd had the pleasure of sitting under at Asbury Seminary, she says this in her book, Living in Community. Good communities and life-giving congregations emerge at the intersection of divine grace and steady human effort. Listen to that again. Good communities and life-giving congregations emerge at the intersection of divine grace and steady human effort. Each of us needs to ask ourselves this question, how am I being intentional about creating and sustaining true community in my church? How am I being intentional about creating and sustaining true community within my local congregation? What kind of effort Am I putting into it? Am I expecting that true community will just somehow happen by accident around me? That if I just show up and I sit in a chair that I'm going to experience true community? Or am I taking the initiative to build relationships with the people around me in order to do life together with others for mutual encouragement and growth? 
You know, we can attend Bible study after Bible study after Bible study, and that's good. We need that. That's one of the things the early Christians devoted themselves to was the apostles' teaching. They didn't say, well, now I've got the Holy Spirit. I don't have to learn. No, they studied and they learned. But we can do that and we can miss a further element that we need, which is coming together, having that face time, and saying to one another, how are you? How is your life with God? How can I help you? How can I encourage you? And having someone else listen to the same answer come from you. We need that. The grace of God pulls us together, but we, we work in cooperation with His Spirit to form life-giving community. It's a lot less effort to stay on the fringe of community, but it's a lot more life-giving to enter into and put forth that effort to have that true community. Another thing about community is this. You know, it's messy. It's messy. Um, everybody, everybody who's a part of the church is flawed. There are no perfect people in the church. It's only made up of people who, by the grace of God at work in our lives, are moving toward becoming the people that God intends and desires us to be. So this means that, yes, in the church, miscommunication happens. Hurtful words are sometimes spoken. Feelings are hurt. Relationships are strained or broken. Uh, Personalities and pride butt up against each other. Arguments happen. It happens. And so I would just say a caution to to anyone who's a part of or desiring to enter into uh, a community of faith is this. Don't, Don't hold on to a false notion that Christian community is perfect. Don't hold on to a false notion that Christian community is perfect. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes about this in his book, Life Together. Um, I, it's, this is a classic. If you haven't read this, I highly encourage you to get this book. I'm sure you could find it anywhere. Um, Life Together. And he, he talks about how entire Christian communities have broken down Because those communities had sprung up out of what he calls a human wish dream. A human wish dream. And what he means is this, that that many of us bring into our Christian communities our own ideas of what Christian communities should look like or what life together with other believers should look like, what that should be. But, of course, people never behave like you wish they would, do they? Has anybody ever been able to find a person that always behaved exactly like you wish they would? No, don't even lie. You have not. It doesn't happen. So if we hold on to that wish dream, you know, we are going to be very disappointed in our community and possibly even disillusioned with Christians in general or or in Christianity as a whole. All those hypocrites, right? How many times have you heard people say that? We can be disillusioned if we hold on to that wish dream. But what Bonhoeffer suggests is that it's only when a community faces the reality that fellowship with others can have an unhappy or even an ugly aspect to it that it begins, that it can begin to be what it should be in God's sight and truly begin to grasp the real promise that has been given to it. So listen to his own words. Um, This is from, 
chapter uh, one of Life Together called Community. He says, because God has already laid the only foundation of our fellowship. God has already bound us together in one body with other Christians in Jesus Christ long before we entered into common life with them. We thank God for what he has done for us in Christ. We thank God for giving us brothers and sisters who live by his call, by his forgiveness and his promise. We do not complain of what God does not give us. We rather thank God for what he does give us daily. And is not what has been given us enough, brothers who will go on living with us through sin and need under the blessing of his grace? Is the divine gift of Christian fellowship anything less than this any day, even the most difficult and distressing day? Even when sin and misunderstanding burden the communal life, is not the sinning brother still a brother with whom I too stand under the word of Christ? Will not his sin be a constant occasion for me to give thanks that both of us may live in the forgiving love of God in Jesus Christ. Thus the very hour of disillusionment with my brother becomes incomparably salutary because it so thoroughly teaches me, listen to this, that neither of us can ever live by our own words and deeds, but only by that one word and deed which really binds us together, the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. That is when we find true community, when we lay down the wish dream that everybody is going to behave the way we want them to, and it will always be perfect. And instead, we embrace the truth that this is all a gift, that God has brought us together, and that together, each one of us are forgiven and covered in grace, and that it is only by his power and his grace that we can experience life-giving support and love and community. Lastly, true community is for broken ones. It's for broken ones. Praise God, there's a place in his family for broken ones. You know, his church is not for perfect people. It never has been. If it were for perfect people, Jesus would be the only member be all by himself. But you have a place here. You are significant. Your presence matters. Make the effort to step more fully into community or to help someone else who desires to enter, to step more fully into community. Embrace them. Tell them what Christ has done and what he can mean and help them grow in their relationship with him. See the people around you and pray that God will form this congregation into the body he desires it to be. It's very fitting that the day we talk about presence and we looked at the early church uh, is also World Communion Sunday. And in a few minutes, We're going to celebrate Holy Communion together as a body, as a family. But you know what? It's not just this local congregation that's doing this today. Believers all over the world, the body, are all breaking bread together on this day. Because we are one body. 
created by Christ himself, held together by Christ himself, covered in his grace. And so think about that when you come this morning, that you've been given a gift. And and talk to God about how he needs you to step more fully into this gift, into this community, and celebrate the fact that you are part of something much bigger than you, but at the same time you are extremely significant to it. Come with that knowledge and that reality and be willing to help others come into this community as well. Let's pray together. God, we do thank you for this gift of community. We thank you, Lord, that in our weakness and in our brokenness and in the hurtful things that we still do to one another, Lord, you are a healer. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone in here who feels like they have just maybe removed themselves from community, that their own uh, brokenness or, or their own actions have maybe severed them from community, Lord, tell them, know that the door is always open, that they can be received in. Lord, may we have eyes to see the people around us. Lord, may we live fully in our life with you. And I pray, Father, that your spirit would just speak to anyone this morning who's not sure if they're a part of this family. They're not sure, Lord. If, you're, if your grace covers them, Lord, give them an assurance in their heart that yes, it does. And may they make a decision, Lord, to step into faith in you and into the body, into the family. Lord, I ask that you do this for us this morning. We ask all this in Jesus' powerful and mighty name. Amen.